0: Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our executive pastor, Jonas Allday, continues our series, Waymaker. Don't forget to join us next weekend on December 19 and 20 for our Christmas production at all campuses. And now, here's Pastor Jonas Allday. Good morning. Welcome to the Crossing. Hey, while we're clapping, let's give it up for South Shore, Plant City, what's up? And our online campus. Man, thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all are awesome. I believe that the Lord has a word for you today. Uh, Pastor Greg was, was supposed to be here today, but this week he started having some sinus issues, so he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him he had the flu. So, you know, he tried to muscle through it, but, you know, he, he was like, man, I don't want to give it to everybody else, so I'm just going to well, uh, stay at the house and get better and ask me to fill in. So I want to say thank you for the opportunity, Pastor, for, to fill in. And uh, don't we love our pastors, Pastor Greg, Pastor Tanner? We love y'all. Y'all are doing Y'all are great pastors. We love y'all. So we're in a series um, that is called the Waymaker. So we're we're, God is a waymaker in our lives. And Pastor Greg talked about last week how we have to do away with our old way of thinking in order to take on God's way of thinking, which is in his word. His way of thinking is his word. And this is his word. Uh, Contrary to popular belief in America, this is the the word of God, uh, infallible, living, sharper than any two edged sword, breathing word of God that will transform your life. The Bible. That's what that is. So last week he talked about that and that could be a worldly way of thinking. or it could be a way of thinking that maybe we were taught in church that wasn't quite what the word of God said but we have to be, be willing to lay aside old ways of thinking to take on what the bible actually says about how we should live and what god wants to do in our lives and the way he want him being a waymaker for us the way he wants to make for us in life so today i'm going to talk i'm going to be talking about god wants to be a waymaker for you so that he can be a waymaker through you, because he, he has an assignment for all of us in the earth. But let's pray real quick, God. I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are a helper, that you are you're with us in everything that we do. We uh, invite your presence in this place right now and I ask that you would you would move among us, that you would give us revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. I ask that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. You would transform us where we need to be transformed that you would speak to our hearts and change our lives today. And Lord, we love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, God has eternal things for you to do in the earth. He puts you here during this time and this season for a reason. You weren't born in the 1700s. You weren't born in, in the 900s. You weren't born before Christ. You were born... Now, and you live in now because God has something of eternity that he's put inside of each one of us that we are to deposit in the earth while we're here. So he has things that he wants us to do that 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 bring his kingdom to bear on the earth as it is in heaven. That's part of the Lord's prayer that that, you know, that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the way that happens is it happens through us. But before it can happen through us, it has to happen to us. We have to have an experience with God where he transforms our, our lives personally. Then we can begin to influence the world around us and tr- see the world around us transformed by his power and his spirit working through us. So he wants to he, he wants to be a waymaker f- for us so he can be a waymaker through us. So in, in a. In 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 through 20, it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled to us, who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were making, were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now he's given us what's called a message of reconciliation. That's us. He reconciles us first, meaning that he, he lines us up with his word. Now, reconciliation just means, it's a big word, to just mean to make consistent with another or to cause to coexist in harmony. You know, we often refer to it when we reconcile our bank statements for those of us who actually reconcile our bank statements. <laughs> I should probably do mine more often, but, you know, it's a hassle. Every time I do, I find things that aren't, aren't exactly right. So I have to line up my records with my bank records because... My kids sometimes get my debit card and buy stuff that I didn't buy and never told me. But, you know, I know that doesn't happen to any of y'all. Just me. Uh, But anyway, it's it's to make the two consistent with one another. So what reconciliation means is, first off, our lives are made consistent with the word of God. Consistent with what the Bible says, who who the Bible says we are and how the Bible says we should live. And in that it released there is a power that is released into our lives that that brings about uh, God's influence in every area of our lives. When the word of God is played out in our everyday life, when we put it into action in our everyday life. When we make it part of who we are, there is a power of God that is released into the, into the atmosphere around us, which creates a culture around us of the word of God that transforms our life first and then begins to transform the lives of the people around us. This is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and of the word of God that he does for us. Now it goes on to say that we are ambassadors of Christ. So once, once, once Christ, we're reconciled to God, God gives us the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, where we begin to reconcile the world to him. And we go out in our perspective, you know, places of influence, which would be work or school or, you know, uh, whatever clubs we're a part of or whatever, you know, the gym. Wherever we go that we're a part of a group of people who don't know him, we begin to bring the, his influence into that area. We become his ambassadors. And so what an ambassador is, it is someone who goes to a foreign land who has the full influence and full authority of the homeland they came from, but they're in a foreign land and they bring the full influence of their homeland into that land. So you take an ambassador of the United States, if that ambassador is in, a, in Afghanistan or somewhere like that, and that ambassador goes to the leaders there and says, well, if you don't stop treating your people bad, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Well, he carries he or she carries the weight of the United States behind them. And if the people don't line up, then the United States comes to bear on that kingdom to make that kingdom line up with what that ambassador just said. And we are ambassadors of Christ. So therefore, when we walk into a foreign land, which is what we live in. This is not our home. If you've never done a study about heaven and, and the afterlife, you really should do it. It, it, it. It'll open your eyes to a lot of things that we are just sojourners here. We're on a journey here and it's, it, it's a short journey. It's like a vapor. It's gone before you know it. And but we have a time on this earth that God put us here to bring influence into this world. So so we're in a foreign land. And as we're reconciled to God, we begin to reconcile this foreign land to what his word says It should be reconciled to. And that's how an ambassador works. We're known as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. We can't give what we don't have. That's why we must first be reconciled. And Peter gives us uh, an insight to this in uh, Acts three, where him and John were going to the temple. And this guy said, hey, he was asking for money. He said, give me money. And Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold. I don't have. But what I have, I give. Get up and walk. He healed him. He operated in a power from the kingdom of God that influenced the kingdom of this world. That brought to bear upon that individual the healing power of God. And, and, And so he had it, he could give it. But if we don't have it, we can't give it. If we haven't been reconciled to God, then we, we really can't Im, you know, impart his power, his anointing, his presence, his word into other people's lives. Because we haven't been reconciled ourselves, which takes a little work and it's not that difficult to do. It's actually pretty easy, but the concept is easy, but it's probably going to be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. Because we live in a world that loves to distract us. The enemy has figured out that it, all he has to do is keep us distracted from what God's, God wants us to do and from his word and from his presence, and then he can win the battle. But the truth is, if, as believers, as we come today to a realization of how easy it is to walk in the things of God, we will begin to walk in that. So what I'm here to do, I'm not here today to beat anybody up. I'm here today to expose the lie of the enemy. Lies that he has caused the American church to believe for a long time that that we've got so much so that a lot of the unrest that you see now in our culture is because years back there was a concept that the American church bought on bought into that. If I don't preach, we don't preach hard messages. If we're just really nice to a lot of people and make them feel comfortable, then all of them will get saved and serve God. Well, that, the problem with that is you lost the, the voice of the pastor who would stand in a pulpit and say right is right and wrong is wrong and we're not going to do wrong. Yeah. And that wrong is actually sin and we can't live in sin because we say that we serve God. So we have to separate from that. But thank God in this church, it's not like that. I'm just talking about in America. But we'll move on. We'll move forward before I get in trouble. I might say something I get in trouble. All right. So here it is. It's easy. It's easy. John 15. If you've not read John 15 lately, I encourage you to go back and read it. I'm going to pull out a verse four right now. It says, remain in me. And this is Jesus talking. And I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. So the way we produce fruit in our lives is remaining in Christ. Now, notice he compares it to fruit. He he doesn't say go out and produce something of your own. Fruit is produced in a a plant or a tree simply by being uh, by living in the right soil. If it lives in the right soil, then it's going. The fruit is inside of its genetic makeup and fruit just comes out. If the nutrients are flowing into that plant or into that tree, then the fruit just happens. You know, it doesn't happen because that tree goes out and tries to, you know, yells at its branches and says, produce fruit. It doesn't happen. You know, it, it, it happens because it's in the right soil. You know, in Georgia, we, we have peaches and I'm from Georgia. So I, I was raised in a peach orchard. Everybody thinks I like peaches. I hate peaches because I ate them all my life. <laughs> Can't stand them. But. Anyway, they, they grow really well there. But if you put them down here in a swamp somewhere, they're not going to grow well because they're not in the right soil and they're not connected to the right nutrients. And that's what happens with a branch and a vine is connected to the right nutrients, which is Christ and which is the word of God and which we're going to talk about how to remain in him. There's three easy ways to remain in him that he can, we can begin to produce fruit. And that's what he meant for us to do in the earth. Those are the eternal things that he wants us to deposit in the earth is the fruit that he wants to produce through our lives. Now, the first thing on how to remain in him is meditate on the word day and night. Psalms one, one through three says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, look, blessed is the man who doesn't do some things or woman who doesn't do some things. First, listens to ungodly people who give advice. Secondly, stands with them and talks with the sinners and allows those sinners to impart into their life their worldly wisdom. And then it goes on to, it's a progression here. Then they're sitting with them and have become scornful of the things of God because the things of God don't make sense to people in the world. So there's a progression of of loss here for the believer. So blessed is the person who doesn't do that. But... His, his delight or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and and in his law he meditates day and night. Amen. He shall be like a like tree, a, a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do will prosper. Simply by abiding in the word of God, but blessed is the one who looks deeply into this law, day and night, I encourage you to memorize the word of God, to put, to put the word of God so deep into your heart, into your mind, that in every situation, this is how you abide in it, not by just reading it all day long, But if you have days that you could, I mean, I encourage you to do so. Just just read and get it in your spirit, man. But this is how you abide in the word that in situations you encounter all day long, the Holy Spirit will access the word of God and give you a word from the Bible that will apply to your situation that you're encountering throughout your day, no matter what the situation is. I go in situations all the time and as we're talking about things, the word of God is just populating in my mind and he'll do the same for you because he's no respecter of men. He doesn't respect me any more than he does you. And so he'll do the same thing with you. But it's up to us to determine how much time we've spent in the word of God. The word of God is life. The word of God brings brings life to our body and health to our bones is what the Bible says. So as we're in his word and we're devouring his word and we're learning his word, he shows us the mysteries of this of his kingdom that we can bring to bear in this world. And that's how you meditate upon the word or you grab a scripture at the beginning of your day or take a take five or six minutes in, during the day on a break or something and read the Bible instead of, you know, taking an hour and a half or hour to go to lunch somewhere. Once you take 30 minutes at your desk or at a place you can get alone and you can read the Bible and you can you can devour his word also and his word becomes part of us. That's the thing is it, it, to abide in the word. It has to become part of us. So the second thing is pray continually. We want to remain in his presence, right? So we pray continually. It's not as hard as it sounds. You don't just sit in a corner all day long praying like that always. You can't get anything done. And he didn't mean for that to happen. He might have for some monks or something like that. I don't know. I'm not a monk. I like to be around people, so I can't sit in a corner all day praying. I get bored and I go to sleep and that's just not good. I mean, I might get a nap, but that's good. But anyway, anyway, pray continually. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, rejoice always. So here's the first thing in the scripture. He says, rejoice. So we should be full of joy and we should be spreading joy wherever we go. It says, pray without ceasing and in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we pray without ceasing. And and let me show you, this is how we do it. We can be in a meeting. We can be in a conversation conversation in a relationship, talking with someone, and I can be talking to you and talking to the Lord at the same time. I can be carrying on a conversation with you and asking the Lord, what should I say about this thing they're dealing with? What should I say about this, this situation that we're, we're, we're dealing with right now? God, what's the best decision for this business deal that I'm looking at? What's the, what's the move I should make in, my, in, in work or what, how should, what should I do in my class or whatever it may be? You can have a conversation with God while having a conversation with others. But it takes, it takes practice to learn how to stay engaged. You don't have to say, hang on a minute, Jesus, oh, precious Jesus, what do I do with this crazy person I'm dealing with right now? You don't have to do that. They don't even have to know you're praying. I, and I've actually been in situations where people were manifesting demonically and I'm just I and I just whisper under my breath while they're going off because they're not recognizing anything. I just I bind that demon right now. I Command you to shut your mouth right now in Jesus name. And they'll shut down. It'll stop and they'll calm down. And I'm able to talk to them sensibly. But you don't have to make it obvious where everybody knows you don't have to do that. We have power as we pray. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's our helper, what the Bible says. So he's with us all day long and is wanting to help us. Sometimes I picture him like this, that he's, he's in our situation and we're going through something and it's, and it's baffling us. And, and he's just over there going, ask me for help. Ask me for help. And as soon as we ask, he helps. My son the other day, he, he was, uh, he was uh, putting a gun back together. And yes, we own guns, lots of them. So I love them shooting things, but, um, I didn't say people, I said things. <laughs> oh, I got jokes, but I'm not going that way. Anyway, he was put, he had cleaned one and he was putting it back together. He'd never done it before. And I sat there and watched him struggle for probably 30 minutes. And I, I said, and he was mad. He threw something down. He, I was like, have you asked the Lord for help? And he half heartedly just said, Lord, help me. Just mad, mad that I even said anything. I think, but he just aggravated. And, uh, and within 30 seconds, he went back to messing with it. And within 30 seconds, oh, pop, there it is. It all fit in place. He put it back together. I was like, there you go. I don't know if he believed me or not, but it, it hey, that's what I do all day long. When I run into a situation, I don't know what to do. I don't care what it is. If I'm working on my truck and I'm like, and I'm mad because I can't get something to work. And I just pray, Lord, help me. And within, within seconds or minutes, it all works out. It just does. He's our helper. He's there to help us. But we can pray in every situation. And it also says that we should give thanks in everything. A thankful heart does away with entitlement. You know, we live in such an entitled uh, culture in America that we think we're owed everything. But entitlement destroys thankfulness. Thankfulness just says, thank you, Lord, that I'm here, that I woke up today that you gave me another day to live in you, that you gave me another day with my family. Thank you, Lord, that I have a job. Thank you that I have a church. Thank you that I have friends. Thank you that I have a car, even though I might have to pray to make sure that joker runs. Thank you that I have it. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, I think. I don't know, some people may not have. I've been there, but anyway. So number three, be led by the Spirit in all that you do. In Romans eight thirteen through 15, It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That whole scripture right there says there's a choice to be led by the Spirit or to be led by your flesh. And, and, And what I just talked to you about in prayer, how we pray and listen, then we're led by the Spirit. You know, Jesus said... my my sheep know my voice. So it's important for us to practice listening to the voice of God because we have to tune our ear in to what God is saying. Because the truth is there's, there's multitudes of voices all around us. But if we tune in to God and we do it quite often, we recognize his voice quickly. To start with, it might be a little confusing to say, I don't know if that's God or not. And and then after but after after practice and usage, you will begin to understand and hear and know when it's God speaking and when it's the Holy Spirit leading. And he wants to lead us into all truth. Remember, God wants to be a way maker for you so he can be a way maker through you to other people. And he does it. he, He does it just like this. So he says, if you remain in me. John 15 again, and you remain in me and my word remains in you. Ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciple. God is glorified through you producing fruit. That's how we glorify God is producing fruit for his kingdom And this proves that we are a disciple. You know, I can look at a person, you know, the Bible said to go and make disciples, not converts. So I can I I can walk with a person for a little while. And anybody who is a disciple can walk with a person for a little while and tell if they are a disciple or not, because they will be producing fruit with repentance, producing fruit with with the, the moving of the Holy Spirit in their life. They'll be producing fruit for the kingdom. And you're not a judge. You're just a fruit inspector. You can see if something's producing fruit or not. That's why Jesus cursed the fig tree when he came by it. It wasn't producing any fruit, but it had leaves like it was. There's a whole lesson and sermon in that, but I'm not staying there today. So as we are rooted in Christ, the fruit just comes. Now, I want, to, I want you to know, I'm going to talk about the parable of the sower. So whenever someone hears the word of God, They will be one of four types of ground. Now I'm not going to read the entire scripture, so I want you to go read it yourself in Matthew 13, 1 through 9. It talks about a a sower going out sowing seed, a farmer who is sowing seed. And some fall by the wayside, some uh, fall on stony ground, some fall on thorny ground, and some fall on good ground. The parable that Jesus is giving here is there's four types of ground every time the Word is being sown. Like right now, the Word is being sown. So there's four types of ground. The first one is the wayside. This is where the birds come and steal it away. So what happens is is the enemy loves to distract us from hearing the word of God so we can come and sit in a service to check a religious box and we can, we can actually sit under a message being preached and the word being preached and not hear a word that's said. Well, that, the enemy has come and stolen that word from you because whenever you come and hear a word preached, it's an opportunity for you to activate your faith and make that part of your life and begin to produce fruit from it or you could just lose the seed that's being sown. So the, the, the enemy comes and distracts us. That's for those of you on Facebook right now who are not listening to me <laughs> or on Instagram or texting your buddies, making a grocery list. I don't know. If, I don't know what y'all are doing. But anyway, wayside, that's the people on the wayside. Then there's stony ground. These are people who listen, hear it. And, and, and they say, yeah, that's a good word. And they grab it. And they say, man, that was a good word. And they they leave during the day and and they forget what was even preached. You know, because the Bible says the stony ground, it sprouts up quickly. They like it. They, yeah, that's good. But then they forget all about it. And you know, so that's stony ground and it doesn't produce fruit. And then there's thorny ground where people just grab the word and say, yeah, that's really good. I'm going to make that part of my life. And they begin to try to work it out in their life. And then the cares of this world push against it and say, no, you can't really live like that. You can't really do that. You can't really make that part of your life. And the cares of this world just push it out of our lives. But then there's another ground that is good ground. So there are four types of ground in here today. And, and I propose to you also, each one of us can be one of those four grounds every time we hear the word song. Because I have been the one on my phone texting and not listening. And it go right over my head. And I ain't talking about way in the past. I'm talking about, you know, I, yeah, any day it could be that. I mean, I don't know. Some days you're just distracted. I don't know. But anyway, um, but the good ground, it goes on to say in Matthew 18, eight through nine, still others fell on good ground and they produced a crop, some hundred, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Anyone who has an ear, let him hear. Now I want to show you a little chart real quick. And uh, uh, in this chart, you're going to see thirty, sixty, and a hundred fold, but I wanted to illustrate it. So the blue represents um, how much we allow God to have of our time and our commitment, which equals fruit production. It, that's what it equals. So it, it, we, give, we give Him 30%, you know, some produce 30, and yet they hold on to 70% of their life to say, you know, God, you can influence this 30% of my life, and you can have that portion, but I'm going to hold on to the majority. You know, but then there's the next phase, which is 60 percent where they give the majority to God, but still hold on to, you know, 40 percent of my life. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And Lord, you can have this part, but not that part. Then there's 100 the percent where we're fully in everything that God has for us. Now, i am gonna be honest. Some days I'm down here around 10 percent. Some days I might be up here around 90 percent. I don't ever think I've been at 100 Um, You know, I would love to be at 100. I think I might be raptured to heaven if I ever got to 100. But anyway, it's where we're producing fruit in our lives. And God is it depends on how much time we give him and how much of a commitment we give him. You know, the Bible says his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light in 2 Peter 1 3. Now, the first part I'm going to talk about a few areas of life, and this, this by no means is exhaustive. So it doesn't cover every area of our lives, but it does cover a, 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 quite a few. So the first one I want to talk about is relationships. So in our relationships, how do, do, we, do we use the word in relating to our families? Do we know what the word says about how we should relate to our families? How we should relate to our wife, our spouse, our our, our kids, our mothers, our fathers, our aunts, our uncles. Do, do we know what the word says about how we treat our friends? Do we do we operate in the word on in our romantic interest? Now, for those of you who aren't uh, married yet that. Well, I tell you, about it, it's, it's highly important for everybody, those who are married and who aren't married for what the word has to say about how we treat our romantic interests. Because there's a lot of stuff the world says is okay, but Jesus says is not. Sex outside of the boundaries of what God has put in place is sin, period. And what God has put in place is a man and a woman inside the confines of marriage. That's it. That's it. Anything outside of that is sin and is not of God and it's not his word. So we have to and know this, too. Those same, those same unclean spirits who try to influence you to have sex outside of marriage, once you get married, will influence you to not have sex inside of marriage. I know I just made some people mad because they were like, I ain't got to have it if I want to have it. Not true. The Bible says your body ain't your own. It belongs to your spouse. So you just need to get over your attitude and move on with it. Okay, work. I'm going to move on because I can feel the daggers. Not that one. No, no, no. Go back. Go back. Go back. So you need the word for your, for your work, for your teachers, how you treat your teachers, how you treat those who teach you, how you treat strangers. Sometimes you entertain angels when you're, when you're entertaining strangers, how you treat your enemies. The Bible talks to us about how we should treat our enemies. Okay, now we can go to the next one. In your, in your uh, um, relationships. Oh, what's next? Health, right? Yeah, yeah how you, what, what's the word about your health? You know, the Bible talks about rest, but many of us will sit up till two, three o'clock in the morning and, you know, and then sleep all the next day. And, but the Bible talks to us about how we should rest and the rhythm of rest and on, a daily, on a daily basis and a weekly, how we should take a Sabbath that is set aside for our families and for God, where we spend that day with our families and God. Take a time of vacation where you get away, even if you don't go away, you get away from everything, unplug and re- reconnect with your family in a healthy way. How we eat, the things we eat, you know, uh, so eating and exercise are things that, that, you know, way back in Jesus' day, they didn't have to worry a lot about because they walked everywhere they went and they didn't, eat, they didn't have all these processed foods that we eat that are just so good. The problem is we have, we have made a diet of delicacies that have made us way overweight And what we can do, God may have meant for us to live to be a hundred and work for his kingdom to a hundred. But we could cut our lives short and end our life at 70 by the way we eat. And the way we don't exercise. So it's important for us to be good stewards of the body that God has given us. And I don't always do the best job. Pizza and and Doritos are my downfall. So y'all can just pray for me. I need help. And don't bring me no Doritos. They are my downfall. (laughs) So the next thing is our entertainment, the types of entertainment that we do. We entertain ourselves with things that glorify sin. You know, the Bible talks about what we should what we should put in front of our eyes and what we shouldn't. And those are things that we shouldn't. You know, the amount of entertainment that we take in. Does entertainment dominate our life? I mean, think about this. Let's say you bring a you bring a, a man from another country who. Or just say he's on a remote island and they, they, they're idol worshippers there and they've never seen any technology. They've never seen planes. They've never seen boats. They've never seen anything. They live remotely on this island and they're into idol worship. And you take them out of their environment and you, you put them down in an American home. How long do you think it would take them to figure out what our idol was? Because most of our living rooms are set up around the idol. And then they would say, dang, they got an idol in every pocket. And they pull it out hundreds of times a day to bow at this idol. And you can't, they don't even hear you when they're looking at it. And they they do it riding down the road and run other people off the road. (laughs) Now, now I'm not saying, I'm not saying all media is, you know, I'm not saying your phone and the TV is an idol. But unless it is. I mean, if we can binge watch an entire, an, an entire series, but yet not give an hour to God, where does our commitment lie? Where does, where does our heart lie? If we can spend four, to four hours a day on social media, but not an hour with Jesus, what, who's got more of our heart? And then look at your social media. Is it is it a place that glorifies God? Is it a place where you build each other up, where you expose things that the enemy is doing, where you talk about the things that God is doing? Or is it a place just just for your overinflated ego? I mean, come on, the selfie. I mean, it's kind of in the title. It's like the selfishy, selfishy. Let me take a picture of myself and how great I am and how great my life is. I mean, you can't get any more self-centered than that. I mean, come on. I have friends that do it, and I, I give them a hard time all the time. I'm like, don't nobody care what you have for breakfast. Get it off there. <laughs> 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 or is it just a place for your negative opinion? For, or for, and for you to start fights with everybody you can? Or is it your escape? What is it? Entertainment. How, how, what does the word have to say about it? Your money. We know the tithe is holy, but guess what? The rest of it is we're supposed to steward for the Lord, and he wants input on how we spend the rest of it. You know, in debt, in debt, you know, I get, I get secured debt, but, you know, like a house or something like that, they cost so much now that you have to, you, most of the time you have to have two incomes coming in and then have to pay for it over the years. But it can't be secured debt where you get a good enough deal, you could sell it and pay off the debt if you needed to. Um, but unsecured debt, now what I'm talking about with that is like clothes. Like, you know, them $20 coffees at Starbucks, Um, you know, going out to eat all the time with your friends. I'm talking about unsecured debt. Most Americans have have tens of thousands of dollars of unsecured debt ran up on a credit card. And what our unsecured debt is, is a monument to our impatience. And it's a monument to say, God, I don't approve of where you have me in life. So I'm going to I'm going to charge my way to where I, I think I should be. Our money matters. I love y'all. I promise you. I'm here exposing some lies that the enemy has, has duped us all with. Myself included. I don't sit on some high and holy hill. My wife could tell you. I've had to give up some stuff recently. I'm, I, I've been a gamer all my life. And God just told me to give up my Xbox. And I'm, I'm having withdrawals. I'm sitting up at night chewing on my fingernails. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> like, dang, Lord, you could have you had anything else. <laughs> but uh, y'all pray for me because I ain't delivered free, uh, fully yet. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> but then his kingdom work, you know, your life, he has a kingdom work for you. I want you to go read uh, Acts 26, 15 through 19. It's Paul's encounter. And God told Paul, this is what I put you on earth for. And if he'll do it for Paul, he'll do it for you. He's done it for me. And if he'll do it for me, if he'll do it for my wife, he'll do it for people I know. He'll do it for you because the Bible says he is no respecter of persons. He'll do it for any of us. I want to tell you this because one day we will stand before God and give an account. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, for no one can lay another foundation. That than that what what has been laid down. The foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that that he has, has built survives, He'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, it'll be lost and he will be saved. Yet it'll be like one escaping through the fire. So you'll make it to heaven. But we could spend our entire life on this earth building, building a life, building a career, building a family, building things that are outside of God's purpose for us. And when we stand before him, it's going to burn up. When we give an account for the life that we lived. That'll burn up. But when we plug in and we remain in Christ. And allow that fruit to be produced in our lives. That is the things. Those are the things that God designed us to produce on this earth. But sometimes fears and anxiety and stress and. And, and worry and doubt and confusion and and all these tricks of the enemy to come in and say, oh, it don't take all that, especially in the United States. There's been such a watered down commitment to Christ in the United States that it, it, it has become glaringly obvious in our culture over the past year. Riots breaking out everywhere. We stand in a time that that Before now, civil war had never been talked, but you hear people talking it. It's because we haven't taken our rightful place, or maybe we just stepped out of our rightful place and allowed people and allowed those those enemies of the cross to have too much say. When we as believers need to stand up and say enough is enough. God is calling us back to repentance. God is calling us back to him. No matter which side of the political aisle you fall on, God is calling us back to him. And it's time for us as believers who have been reconciled to Christ first, who have reconciled ourselves to his word, begin to reconcile the world back to him. But as he said in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can't do anything without me. Amen. If we don't abide in him, we don't produce any lasting fruit on this earth. Now, I know this is kind of a sobering message. But I th- God impressed it on me to give to you. And so here it is. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads really quick because I'm going to This this is a time of repentance. And if if something I've said today resonated in your heart to say, man, I've not been abiding in Christ. I've not been serving him like like I know I should. I've not not been in his word. I've not been in prayer. I've not listened to the Holy Spirit. I've I've not adjusted my life to live the word out. And you want to say to God today, God, I repent and repentance means I'm turning away from that and I'm turning to God. If you want to say that, I I just want you to slip your hand up and I want you to hold it up. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. There's a lot of people holding their hands up. That's great. Hold it up. Hold it up. Keep it up. I'm about to pray for you, but I want you to be able to receive it. This is an activation of your faith to say, that's me, Lord. That's me. And you know what? I'm standing up today to say this is me and I'm activating my faith to say I'm not going to be like that anymore. Father, you see every hand, you see every heart represented by every hand. God, I ask in Jesus name, you would shine the light of your Holy Spirit into every part of their life where the enemy has lied to them. You would remove every lie from their life. They would come in disagreement with those lies in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you would invade their life as they've repented today and they hold their hand up to say, Lord, I repent, I turn away from that and I'm turning to you. God, I ask that you meet them today in Jesus' name and every time they get in your word and every time they get in prayer, every time they seek your face, God, that you would meet them there. You would speak to them. You would transform their life. You would visit them with power. With your presence, Holy Spirit, awaken the sleeping giant within, fan into flame. The embers that have been alive within each person that has their hand raised right now. A flame of fire to know a burning desire of passion to serve Jesus and to serve the Lord and to reconcile this world to the kingdom in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to to make them revolutionaries. People that will go out and make a difference in this world and a difference in their community and a difference in their families and a difference in their workplace and a difference in their schools. Lord, make a difference wherever they go. In Jesus name. Amen. You can put your hands down. I uh, Give him praise. There's a lot of people who just repented and said, Lord, I'm, I'm serious for you. I'm serious for you. I have one more prayer I'm going to pray and we're all going to pray it out loud together. There might be there might be some in here today who don't know Jesus at all. You've never given your life to him and you don't know him. Now is your opportunity. So we're all going to pray a prayer out loud. And uh, then I'm going to have some direction at the end of it. So just bow your heads really quick and pray this out loud. Everybody, loud, bold. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I confess that you are Lord of my life. I ask you to change me in Jesus name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Any of those in here? who prayed that prayer today for the first time and you've given your life to Christ today. This this is the day you did that. I'm going to count to three and when I hit three, I want you to raise your hand. Please hold it up. We just want to give you a card. We want to connect with you to be able to help you in your walk with Christ. So when I say three, raise that hand and keep it up. One, two, three. Raise those hands. Let me see them. Come on. I got you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Got you. Come on. Come on. Got you. Come on. There's some some that need carved, one in the back over here. Come on, raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. Praise God, praise God. You know, God will transform your life. That's the best decision you'll ever make in life is the decision you just made to follow Christ. When I was 23, I was at a bar the night before I got saved. Didn't know what was going to happen. Wasn't even planning on going to church. I actually, no, I didn't make it in the bar. I got got kicked out before I even got in. (laughs) Tells you how good I was. (laughs) But came to church the next day still smelling like alcohol and cigarettes. And I really just said, God, if if you can change my life, change it. And here I stand. Almost 27 years later that God has transformed my life. So I'm going to tell you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. We hope you enjoyed that message from Pastor Jonas day. Again, don't forget our Christmas production is December 19 and 20 at all campuses. And we have a Christmas Eve service at each campus as well. You can find out all that information at CrossingChristmas.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash church, where you can watch all of our messages on demand, noon prayer, our live streams, and more. Thanks for joining us this week. We can't wait to worship with you next time.